You're listening to a teaching from Sundown Church. We hope you encounter God through our podcast and experience freedom in your life. Um, okay, so this morning is, a, is an active morning for you. I'm not going to make you get up and do exercises or anything. Um, but there is, there is response required. Yeah, I promise. I, won't do, I don't want to do it. I'm already sweating. I don't want to do it anymore. It's too hot. Um, but so these are, these are warm-up jokes to warm you up, okay? Make sure that you audible, you can talk, you can make noises, okay? Um, I've discovered that denial, anger, bargaining... Depression and acceptance are the five stages I go through when I wake up in the morning. (laughs) Just to get out of bed. (laughs) That's the process, and then my feet hit the floor. Do you know the correct term for gluten-free, vegan, sugarless brownies? Do you know what that's called? The correct scientific term? Compost. (laughs) Right? This one, is, this one is fun. Has anyone in here ever sent a text and just before you press send, autocorrect changes a word into another word that you did not need that to be changed to and then you send it and the damage is done. It's not ever a good word. It's not ever a pleasing word. It's not like from flowers to lilies. It's like really always uncomfortable and you have to explain. Um, I've, I've, I've called one of the principals across the street a, a nasty name. Because of autocorrect. I don't know why it thought I was going to say that, but it did. Uh, So this one is for you. Spell check has got to be my worst enema. (laughs) (laughs) And another one, I'm I'm thinking of advertising, uh, making some signs so that people, I can advertise that I have horses and people can come ride them, you know, a little outing with the family. And, and so this is what the sign will say, and you just tell me your thoughts on it. Uh, for fast riders, we have fast horses. For slow riders, we have slow horses. And for those who have never ridden, we have horses that have never been ridden. <laughs> right? I think, that, I think that works. I think that's a money-making business right there. And to just continue, that's the last joke, but to continue warming you up, I have some testimony for you this morning. First, if you know Adam and Lacey Arleano, they've not lived here for a while. They live in New Home. Uh, Adam's family is still here in town. We all know them. We are, know the Arleano clan very well. Adam and Lacey have, through several painstaking years, been fostering children. And I'm not just fostering a kid that had a tough go. I'm talking about fostering kids that have come out of the most hellacious circumstances. And every kid that was placed with them, they wanted. Every one of them they've wanted, and they have deposited what they've been able to deposit and what the Lord has ordained and anointed for them to deposit in this life, and then they're gone. And it, we, we have known this as a church. We've been to their home. We've prayed over some of these children, laid hands on these babies that, have not, that are not with them to this day. They're, they're in other places. And we've seen and we've mourned with this family as they've lost 
so many of these kids have they just been taken away, pieces of their heart. And we know that what they do, that there is no other way to do that than to be anointed by God to do it. Uh, none of us are strong enough to do it without the anointing of God. But just testimony, if you haven't heard yet, the current child that they were fostering, this beautiful little girl, uh, they got her. She is theirs forever. Yeah, yeah. Super, super excited about that, that there's another Arleano running around. I mean, she is theirs, and if she's theirs, she's ours. And so we're just excited about that. We Just uh, send them a text. Uh, just continue to pray for them as they go through this. Those three boys have a new little sister, but man, oh man, are we so happy for them um, that they've got this child that the Lord said, okay, this one stays. And they're just really excited about that. And then another thing, I don't know if you remember, you probably do, but we've been praying for Kennedy Diaz. Um, they needed a specific dye that was not found in the state, hard to come by in the country, uh, to test what, where specific the cancer was in her body, right? She's a, going to be a junior in high school, um, and she's got this very unique cancer. It, as far as I understand, it's the first diagnosed case in a child to have this form of cancer. And they've been trying to target it, but they've not had this die. And we prayed right here in this house that the, it would appear. It would just be there. And it would be enough, and it would be exactly what Kennedy needed. And I'm telling you, this week that happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can't make this up. It the doctor just came in and just said, we've got it. They've just got it. Like, it just, it's just there. Enough for Kennedy. Um, and this is really intense. This dye, actually, everybody had to leave the room when they administered it to her because it was so radioactive. And so before we move on, I just want to pray. Um, if it's so radioactive that the people can't be in the room, what does it do for the little girl whose body it's being placed into? Right? So this is a thing that they use to find the cancer, but it's kind of like a really bad thing to use, but it's what they need. It's what we have right now. So we're just, before we move on, we're going to pray for her in that real quick. So if you'll just join with me, Lord, we just, we thank you for answered prayers. We thank you that kingdom is not, the kingdom of heaven is not a storage facility. It is full of what we won't ask you for, but we are a people of God that will ask you for what you lead us to, and you led us to ask for that dying you delivered. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you and we lift you on high. We are so just honored to be your sons and daughters that we could ask our perfect Father and receive and hold it tangibly in our hands knowing that you are a God who answers his children. We thank you. And Lord, right now we pray that that die, all that it would do, the tests would come back clear and they would know exactly where the cancer is. They would be able to target it with such accuracy. But we pray for that little girl's body that it would be completely protected from that die. The test has already been run. The test has already been done, but we still say now, whatever you need to do, if you need to go back in time to protect her body from that because your children asked for it now, we pray that you would do it. That you would completely cover her body, that all that dye would be able to do was highlight and pinpoint where that cancer is, and that would be it in her system. It would not do anything else. There would be no lasting effects of it. There would be no long-term conditions because of this test, Father God. You anointed this dye that it would be for her that we would know where this cancer was, that the doctors could attack it aggressively and accurately. You anointed it. We asked for it and you gave it. And we believe there's perfect provision in that, that you will not harm her because you gave her exactly what she needed. We know it. 
So we just pray a covering over her, a covering over Debbie, a covering over Sammy and that family. Father God, that the fruition, that the, the promises of God would rain down over them, that they would see the fruition of prayers being asked and prayers being answered. They would experience it in the room. Lord, we thank you. We pray again that revival would break out in that hospital, a place of controversy over so many years. We pray that that would be the place where Lubbock is captured. That the heart of God, that you would just land like an asteroid in the middle of the earth. You would land in that hospital and you would dwell in that place and that people would come to know Jesus, that the dead would rise, the sick would be healed, the lame would walk. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've had this on my mind all all week since just hearing of this testimony. The Lord said, again, the Lord said this would be a season of fruition. There would be fruit where there should not be fruit. There would be provision where there should not be provision. You would thrive where the world would say you should be destroyed. This is a time where you are to ask God to learn. Now, I'm not talking about God being a vending machine. That's not what we're saying. But this is a time where the Lord is trying to reintroduce his people into what this relationship is to look like. That when we dwell with God, when we remain in him, John 15 says to abide in the spoken word of God. When we abide in Jesus, remain in Jesus, the desires that we have to pray for, who placed them there? God placed them there. He put those desires in our heart and he's just sitting there waiting for us to ask for them. So I'm telling you, this is the season. Those desires that he's placed in your heart, it is time for you to ask. I know that there are some in this church, they may not be here today, they may be listening online wherever they are, but there are some in this church I know that have dismissed asking God for what they need. Dismissed it with false humility. No, I shouldn't ask for that. Somebody else needs this. This is my cross to bear has been the phrase that I've heard all week. This is my cross to bear. Absolutely not. That is false humility. To accept what God is refusing to give you. God did not give us these things. And he is refusing. He does not have any desire for us to claim them over ourselves. That doesn't mean sickness just disappears and some There will just be sickness and it will just be what we have to go through because the Lord will not say that he desires healing for us. Maybe there's a person that you meet because of that sickness that needs Jesus and he will anoint that sickness so that you can find that you can find this person and that person can find Jesus. But I'm telling you right now, I know for a fact that there are people in this church that are bearing a cross that is not theirs. Taking ownership of that which God has not given taking ownership back of that which God actually paid for and is rightfully his. He took it away from you, and you don't get to take it back. So with that challenge, I would say this week, go into this week and allow the desires that the Lord has for you to flood your heart and ask for those things because there is a city that desperately needs the people of God to know how to ask their perfect father for good and perfect things again. Okay? So I'm challenging you this week, do that very thing. You good with that? Okay, that's not the sermon, that's just your extra. That's bonus points, that's intro, you should be warmed up now. I've had some revelation this week. And, and thinking about just all that's, that's come in the last few weeks, all that's come in the last several years. And the Lord has spoken several things, and he's spoken things for years over this church. Before my time, During my time here, and then as my time as head pastor, he has spoken many and wonderful things. And he has built 
a wonderful house and he has established this church for great and wonderful things. There's a plaque outside that says 1938 on it when Sundown Church was established in this community and it's still here. It's powerful and there's reason behind it. But I was asking the Lord for a fresh word. I don't want to just rely on the words that he's spoken. I want a fresh word for what we're seeing right now. Because each new day brings new understanding, brings new clarity as to what he's spoken previously. I ask for a fresh word. And I'm asking you today, are you ready to receive it? I have a fresh word for you. It may be, it's, it's not difficult to hear. It's, it's big. It's not difficult to hear. It's big and it, it will change. Our, it requires a change of mind. Okay, and that's all, that's all it is. Matthew 5, uh, verse 13 through 16. We know this passage well. Are they working? Oh, I was just wondering. They were dark, and so I was just, yeah, you're good. Good job, Carrie. Carrie rocks. We love Carrie. Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? No, it is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to, the, to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So we have read this many times. But how many know if you live open, if you live open to God, if you live open, if you abide, if you remain in, you live open to the Spirit, you open this book with no preconceived notion of what it should say or what I want it to say, you just open it up and you read, there's always fresh revelation. You could read a passage a thousand times like this one and there is fresh revelation for the day you find yourself in. Because the day he wrote this is different than the day I'm in right now. It's just as true then as it is now, but there's also a specific revelation that is for this and for today in this. And so I asked for a fresh word this week, and he answered with verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. And that word set jumped off the page. He is setting us on the hill, but there is a process to be set upon the hill. We are being established on the hilltop, is what he spoke. God is positioning us into a place where his glory in us can be seen. Amen? Amen. That when storms come, they look here for shelter because of he who dwells here. Amen? Amen. We saw that. We've seen that in the last in the last few weeks, that this became a place of shelter in a storm. In an uncertain time, this became the only place, the only place of certainty. And he is positioning us. We have visions to reassure us of this. We have visions of of running out of room in this house. We have visions of being a set-apart city that flourishes and that, that thrives when and where it should not. Right? We have seen this. The Lord brought this at the beginning of the year that this would, be, uh, this would be like its own habitat. It would look more like the kingdom of heaven than it does a city and a state and a country. And it would exist and no one would be able to understand how it exists the way it exists because nothing outside of it is investing in it. It's God alone and everything is coming out of it. Does that make sense? 
It's not being poured into by man. It's being established by God, and then God is pouring into man outside of this, out, out from this place. We have a vision. This was recent of robins all around the church. As two of our members got out and they began to look, there were robins, hundreds of them, all over the church. And a robin means it is a symbol of hope, renewal, and rebirth. Amen? So, I mean, we know that God is doing this. There's no arguing with it. He has spoken over and over and over again that he is establishing us, he is setting us on the hill. And this is still the revelation that we've not gotten to the point of it. We're just kind of going through it. We're expanding on it really quick. How many of you know that the timeline of the kingdom does not work on our time? The kingdom of heaven works in the measure of eternity. And that's important to remember. We think when God speaks that we're going to see these things. And some of those are true. And some we will not. Abraham knew. knew what the Lord was going to bless through him, through his child, that he would, he would be the father to nations. Did he see those nations? That the line of David, David knew that again out of his line would sit on the throne the king of Israel. Did he see that? But he knew it. He was promised this. He knew it. He saw it. He, he, he experienced it from God, but he did not physically see the coming of Jesus. He did not see him set on that throne. And that, there's still a lot of this that is not finished. The final seating on this throne, when it is done. It is, it, it, now, he's defeated the grave, and he's reunited us and reconciled us back to God, but there is still promises ahead where God will establish a new heaven and a new earth. It's not, that is not finished yet. But we have prophets of old that have prophesied of Jesus' coming. Isaiah, you hear about Jesus. You, you are, we are regularly told about the coming of Jesus in prophecy. And he did not live to see it. God is not restricted by our time. Amen? And this, this is all the revelation that led me to this place, this understanding that we are the builders, but we may not live in the house. Follow me for a few minutes, but we are the builders and we may not live in the house. And the question that the Lord asked me when he spoke this is, are you okay with that? And he said, we may not live in the house. But he just asked, are you okay with that? There's a quote that I love, that is very appropriate, and it's so funny how the Lord does. I just heard this quote two weeks ago, and I could not think of one that, that applies more profoundly to what we're talking about right now than this quote. But a society grows great when old men plant trees, the shade of which they know they will never sit in. A society grows great when old men plant trees, the shade of which they know they will never sit in. Are we okay with that? Are we okay being the tree planters, establishing that which will be harvested by future generations? I had this vision as I was working through this with the Lord, and I saw my son Liam. And I don't know, I don't know if this is a teaching point or if this is actually, if Liam will inherit this assignment. 
If this position will become his one day, if he will be head pastor of this church, I don't know that. But I saw him preaching in this church, and I saw it full. I saw the two mergings of a vision. I saw my son, a new vision, preaching from this pulpit, and I saw this room jam-packed. Jam-packed. Now, again, I don't know if, if that was just to emphasize the point, but before we move on, we really need to come to this conclusion. Before we move on, are we okay with being the builders? Are we okay with being those that would establish the house that a future generation would dwell in? Are we okay with that? Now you recognize this. We, see, we can understand this tangibly very, very well. You go through Lubbock and you see people. You see people building monsters monstrous house, just massive homes in Lubbock right now. All over, small community, new home, ropes, beautiful, amazing, large homes. How many of those people building homes live in homes like that? But they build it anyways because it is their assignment. Now, I'm not saying there's, there's less of God that we get, but the Lord is very clearly building something, and he's done this throughout Scripture. We can read from Old Testament to New that the Lord had those that were simply there to build. John the Baptist, simply there to make the way. That, and he knew it and he wore it well. And he did not live a glamorous life. And he did not die in a pleasant way. He, he lived in the wilderness as a wild man. So before we move on again, I have to ask. Because a lot of what the Lord has spoken, we've allowed our preferences to begin to, to define what they would look like. And then when we come, we get disappointed because I'm not seeing what I think the Lord's vision should look like. And it should look like this now. It should be this now. Why is it not this now? And then we get upset. And who do we oftentimes get upset with? We get upset with the people we're supposed to be ministering to. Why are they not here? Oh, they're just not receiving from the Lord. I don't know. It might be you that's not receiving. Because you started to receive. I had a conversation uh, this week about this, how we start to listen to God and then we hear what we like and then we check out and we walk away. And we start to manage it ourselves. And we don't stay in the moment and allow him to finish what he has for us and finish what he's saying to us. So again, I'll ask, are we okay in this house going forward being the builders of a house we may never dwell in. Yes? Okay. Will we be the builders of a kingdom for future generations to live in? And it makes so much sense when you think about it. Think of what the, Randy's 13 years of teaching here was. If you're thinking about building a structure, what do you need to learn first? What tool does what? How to use it? When to use it? Where to use it? What have we done for 13 years but learn how to use the equipment that the Lord has given us? That's exactly what we've done. We've been introduced to this stuff for the first time. We've been shown how to use it. And so now, in the season that we're in, we're just picking up the tools and we're applying the wisdom that we've had over the last 13 years to begin to build what the Lord would have us build. Because we've been taught how to do it, and now it comes time to do it. 
And that's the season we find ourselves in and what comes next. What naturally comes next? If they build a house, they're taught how to do it. They go out, they pick up the tools, they build the house. What comes next? A people move into it. And it becomes their home. It becomes their dwelling. The dwelling comes after us. The moving into the kingdom of a generation and generations. Amen? This is profound stuff. That we would be those that build what future generations will move into, and that is the kingdom of heaven. Ephesians 5. I got to get there. I didn't mark it. Ephesians 5, verse 15 says, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time, because the days, the days are evil. We must make the best use of our time. If we are to be the builders, there is no time to waste in the building. Because there will come a day when they're meant to move into that structure, and what if the structure is not finished? We need to finish the structure. We need to do and put hands and feet to the ground where we're supposed to go. How do we do this? Turn with me to Isaiah 60. We'll spend the remainder of our time here. Isaiah 60, verse 1. It says, Arise, shine. Now I need you to hear this before we even move on. We've only said two words into this entire passage. Arise and shine. It does not say arise and reflect. What I need you to understand, it says shine. That means that what God has deposited in you, you must arise, you must choose it, you must pick it up, you must wear it, that you would shine. You are God. You are God's vessel. He is making his appeal through you. He has established his presence, his light, his glory within you. So it's not about arising and reflecting. It's about arising and shining, choosing and picking up the glory that has been established in you. Amen? The blood of Jesus was not so that you can just get into heaven. It's so that heaven can be in you now. That you could establish it all the days of your life. Amen? Remember 2 Corinthians 3.18, it says, And we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. We are meant to reflect the glory of God. We are meant to shine the glory of God that has been established in us. Jesus came that he could send the helper, the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would dwell in us each and every day. But we've talked about this, we know this, that you don't just get to wake up and go and the Holy Spirit does all the work. You must make a conscious choice. Sometimes it's a thousand times a day this decision you have to make to choose the Holy Spirit. To wake up and choose to walk in the will of God for your life. So again, I say, arise and shine. For your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. How many know in the kingdom, glory attracts glory? Do you know this? Do you know this just because I said you know this and you think the answer is to shake your head yes or do you know that the glory attracts glory? It's true about so many things. Water attracts water. Fire attracts fire. Mercy attracts mercy. And glory attracts glory. Amen? So when we arise in the glory of the Lord that he has placed in us, it attracts the glory of the Lord over us. Do you hear what I'm saying? If you arise and choose the glory of the Lord that he has established in you, by the blood of Jesus, then the glory of the Lord will shine over you as it shines in you. Amen? 
Verse 2, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light and the kings and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar. Your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because of the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. Anything in the kingdom that is, to be, that is stewarded well increases. We know this in the parable of the talents, right? Jesus emphasized this. That which is given by God, if it is steward, stewarded well, it increases, right? We remember the parable of the talents. So we know that anything that we steward well in the kingdom, it increases. And anything we steward well in his name attracts more of the same. It's the nature of the kingdom, but... The issue is, is the opposite is also true. And unfortunately, we are more familiar with the opposite being true than with the kingdom attracting, attracting the kingdom. Anything I treasure that is wrong will attract more of the same. And when I say treasure, I don't mean you, you love it and you just can't get enough of it. I'm talking about anything that you repeatedly choose that is not of God will attract more of the same. If you choose doubt... Over and over, doubt will follow you, doubt will cover you. It will attract more of it. If you choose fear, if you choose hopelessness, it will attract more if I arise and choose that. But if I arise and shine, the world sees how mended we are from brokenness. They see the unity and works of God through us, and then they come. But what are they seeing? For too long, we've got right now, Sarah just told me this this morning, the United Methodist Church is splitting. Currently, right now, it's going on. You know why? Because one section thinks homosexuality is of God, and one does not. Now, the one that does not has not handled that with any kind of grace or love. They're the, unfortunately, been on the street corner, been like, repent or go to hell, you dirty sinner. It's like, that's not the way to do it. But he who's without sin casts the first stone. We've forgotten that lesson. Man, we forget that lesson a lot. But that is the image. If you just want to take a quick second and look at the image the world has of the church, what do they see? They see their own reflection. They do not see something set apart that is not of this world. They see their own reflection because for too long we have, we arise and we choose that which is not of God and was never destined or ordained or anointed for us to choose. But we choose it anyways. And so we have a lost world because there is a lost church. So we cannot any longer choose to wake up and then choose the things that Christ died that we would be free from. We must arise and shine. That the glory of the Lord would be seen. That nations would come to our light and kings to the brightness of our rising. And now again, if we're the builders of the house, what kind of generation do we want to dwell in it? Do we want a generation that takes it to the next level that can, that can inherit the kingdom of heaven from us 
and establish it and expand all that the Lord is doing on this earth and take what he's doing in, in, uh, to all the reaches of the globe and do more than we could ever thought imaginable? Or do we want this running in circle, this hamster wheel repetition that we currently have in the church? We learn things, this is bad, we don't teach it, and then they repeat. All of these things that we're experiencing, it's a hamster wheel. This has all happened before. In some way, shape, and form. So will we arise? Will we take the time to arise and shine that the generation that we're currently raising would arise and shine with us? That they would only know the day, all the days of their life the glory of the Lord and attracting that which is from God. There is no time to waste, church. We must... Receive our station. We are anointed to build, and future generations may sit and find rest under the shade of heaven that the Lord has anointed us to establish. We have been anointed to build that future generations may find rest and shade in the kingdom of heaven that we establish. Now, that may mean we work in the sun all the days of our life but it will be glorious and it will be anointed for purpose. And I'm telling you right now, what's the biggest thing parents, parents say right now about their kids? What kind of world are they going to have to live in? What kind of world, if this is what we're in right now, what kind of world are they going to have to raise kids in? That's a terrifying thought as a parent. Terrifying thought as a parent. Unless... We arise and shine, stop choosing hopelessness and look at the world and really think, if I build what God has anointed me to build and I use my time as God has anointed my time, I stop setting preferences on what I think he should do in my time here and I just say yes to what he has anointed and assigned for me to do in my time here on this earth. If I just say yes to it and begin to build and begin to establish what he has given me to establish, to lay a foundation, to build walls, to make a roof, to make doorways and windows, Beds for rest, shade and comfort. Establishing these things. And I do these things, then, oh, what a wondrous place that our kids would live in. Can you imagine if this structure is built that they would move and dwell in the kingdom of heaven and then they would raise their children in that place? Not out in the sun, but in in the dwelling place of heaven. So, It's time to have hope again, church. Only if you pick up your tools and you're willing willing to be the builder that God has anointed us to be. That is not easy work. And when the Lord spoke this to me, I sat in my chair in my office and just, wow. I couldn't say anything but that. And just breathe, exhale with such just such a weight being exhaled but there's also such a freedom a freedom in knowing what it is that God has for you and just receiving it so I've let go I I don't care if I ever see a day where this house is full as long as when I get before my king and my Jesus my Lord and Savior he says well done my good and faithful servant because I knew I was obedient. 
I didn't pursue something that was of the world's design. Membership is something the world has. It's a tally marker. I don't want that. I want, I want the people of sundown to be in love with Jesus at any cost. And if that means my life doesn't look like what everybody thinks, if at the end of my life people say, well, he just, he was a failed pastor. He didn't, very, he didn't have very many people. Then I'll be a failed pastor. I'll wear it with pride because I'll know each and every day, every breath that I took, I was obedient to what God had. But that is for us, church. If there's not a one of us that sees the kingdom of heaven fully captivating this community, that's okay. As long as we're obedient to do what will establish that beautiful and wonderful day where the city of sundown is consumed by the kingdom of heaven. And there is not a person, I mean, that's my dream right here and now, that there would not be a person that lives in this city that does not know Jesus in a deep and powerful and wonderful way. I'm not talking about just going to church. I'm talking about would know Jesus. And it would be intimate. It would be their best friend in the world that we would know him in that way. But are we willing to be obedient to do the difficult things required for that day to come? Even if it means I never see it come. Your obedience will establish it. His word does not return void. And if we receive it and we live it, it will establish what God has spoken over this community. But we have to come to this place where we are okay with being the builders, simply the builders, and not those that ever dwell in the house. And if we come to this place where we're okay with that, we know that the city of sundown, and that they will find themselves existing in the kingdom of heaven, and they will be established in heaven for all eternity, and all those that dwell here will know Jesus. So I'm good with it. Are we as a house good with it? Because if we are, we've got to lay down all of our preferences of what we think God should be doing and what it should look like right now. Because I'm telling you right now, the preferences I've had to where we are right now, just disappointment. Sundown is not getting any, it's not getting any more hopeful. No matter how much work we put into it, it doesn't look like it's getting any more hopeful. But... The kingdom of heaven does not work in the timeline of my life alone. It works in the measure of eternity. So what I see as failure now, the kingdom sees as laying the groundwork. How many of you know if you want to build a house in a wilderness, there's a lot of clearing that has to take place first, and that is messy. We live in the country, and and you all know this about living in the country. You will have dirt, and then it will rain, and you will have 10 foot tall weeds like in an, in an evening it's like what the heck you can't keep up with these kind of things but the Lord tells me often it's a process it's a process of growing it's a process of de- developing it's a process of beautifying a place that you dwell in it does not happen just because you want it to we can't look at the mountaintop and forget that we're standing on the base and that there's an entire climb that we have to make 
Okay? So let's climb, church. Let's build what we may never dwell in, but build it anyways, because our children and their children will dwell in it. And that works for me. Thanks for listening to this message. For more resources, visit sundownchurch.com.